We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I'm launching a new website, transformativeprinciple.com. You can go there to learn about and join the mastermind. And also, you can go there to learn how to get positive press for your school. What's better than you telling your story all the time? Getting other credible third parties to tell your story for you. Go to transformativeprinciple.com. Once again, that's transformativeprinciple.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have Eric McKelkey on the program today. He is the principal of Pinedale Middle School in Pinedale, Wyoming. He earned a bachelor's and master's degree from Rocky Mountain College in Billings, Montana, and he has worked as a middle school language arts teacher and social studies teacher, football, wrestling, and track coach, 612 instructional facilitator, middle school assistant principal, and Skyline Academy, an alternative high school principal. Eric, welcome to Transformative Principle. Excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jethro. I've listened to a lot of podcasts, episodes that you've done, and it's been a great help to me as a principal. So I'm excited to be here with you today. Good. Well, I'm excited to share your story. Um, So first of all, you've been in the Mastermind for about a year, and I've gotten to know you there. And the, the thing is, is we can't possibly cover everything that I've learned that you're doing that's great in your school in this short time. So we're going to have to kind of pick and choose, but why don't you first of all, talk a little bit about what your experience in the mastermind has been like? Yeah, it's been a great experience for me and the timing couldn't be better starting this last fall in the fall of 2020, when we finally realized traditional PD was 
basically not an option. Principal conferences, both regional and national. Um, so there was a big hole to fill um, as far as PD. And I just happened to hear you on another podcast, Danny Bauer, Better Leaders, Better Schools. And podcast. Yeah. And I, you know, I wasn't ready to like join your mastermind yet. My, my first thing was, okay, I'm going to read this Jethro guy's book. And if I like his book (laughs) and you know, I think I have quoted your book school X more in the mastermind than you as the author. In fact, the last time I did, you didn't believe the quote was from you and I had to prove it. Yeah. And, And you went and said, page 43, here's the things that, that were said. And I remember thinking, man, that sounds really smart. I wish that I would have written that. And sure enough, I did. So I I appreciate you calling me out on that. Yeah. After I read your book, I was a believer. I told you when we talked about joining the mastermind, I felt like your book, School X, was written based on my beliefs about education. Mm -hmm. And I just found myself, you know, my poor wife, as I laid in bed reading your book, (laughs) I think I was like fist pumping, like, yeah, that's right. You know, that's how it should be. And she's like, what are you reading? <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's hard to explain things like that to your spouse. But I was convinced, man, when I read that book, I thought if you are running a group that meets once a week with like-minded principles and you let me in, I'll be there. So it's been a great way to connect with people far away from Southwest rural Wyoming, learning from them, sharing ideas. I've enjoyed the book studies that we've done. Yeah, lots of different topics. That's been great, and then also the hot seat. You know, whether it's you up there getting a chance to get advice from colleagues that are in the mastermind, or pretty low stakes listening to other principals' biggest problems first makes me feel lucky where I work. Yeah, um, there's reality. And then, yep, and then being able to share if there are experiences that. I've had with others to try and help solve problems, get better. It's always a fun time Thursday mornings with our group. Yeah, very good. So there are a lot of people who are listening who have thought about joining the mastermind and have said, you know, I just can't right now, or we don't have the budget or whatever the case may be. What would be your suggestion to them if they're thinking about it and thinking it would be good, but aren't sure how to, whether or not they should commit to it? Well, I think you allow people to, come sit in on one, no questions asked. So yeah. I, that would be my first suggestion is come, come experience one b- before you decide what it's worth. Because I know, you know, with my budget, what I budget for, for principal PD, one year of the mastermind is essentially one big trip to a week long conference. When you add up meals, hotel, mm-hmm. travel, um, registration fees, and I get a lot more out of ongoing weekly PD than I do one and done rah, rah speeches. Yeah, I, I agree. So I, I think of it like going to a conference is like putting a microwave meal in the microwave and eating it. And the mastermind is like a slow cooked brisket that's been cooking for 12 to 18 hours. Uh, just that much better, that much higher quality. The conference is great. Don't get me wrong. You still get the nourishment, but you can savor and enjoy the mastermind a lot more. So that's that's how I equate those two. And yeah, the, the thing you said about people coming and sitting in, we do let people come and sit the third week of each month so people can come check it out. Used to be whenever, but I want to make sure that we're not interrupting everybody else's time. So the third week of each month, people can 
can come and join and, and see what it's like. So I definitely encourage people to do that. And then finally, people, if you are interested, you can go to transformativeprinciple.com, which is a new website just launched, and you can check it out and join the waiting list there to be part of the mastermind. Um, so let's get on to more stuff about you and your school. I appreciate you sharing that stuff about the mastermind because it just gives an insight into what you've been able to learn and how you've been able to grow over the last year. But one of the things that you've brought up is that you have these three goals that you focus on every year. Can you tell us about what those goals are and why you chose those goals? Sure. A little background. I've only been the middle school principal for three years. So when you say (laughs) every year, it's only year three, but you know, when I, when I became the principal, I know having been a teacher and assistant principal and instructional facilitator, felt like the target was always moving. We had so many goals and strategies and it's like, okay, let's have a simple focus. And what can we do every year, year after year to make our school great and not change what we're doing as far as the focus. So the three goals that Pineville Middle School has every year, um, number one, most important to me as the principal is that every student who walks in the school has and can identify by name, at least one trusted adult. So I don't care if they're new. I don't care if they're sixth graders. I don't care. We had kids moving in for the last two weeks of school in June of 2021. I don't care. We do surveys with students um, to see who their trusted adult is. And then we do a lot of follow-up and different strategies to work on those students that say, I don't have one you know, making sure they know what we mean, someone you can go to for help, someone you can go to if you have a problem, someone if you go to, if you saw something that happened in our school and it just bugs you, you know, being a person of conscience and you just need to talk to an adult, that's what we mean by a trusted adult at school. So that's number one. Number two, I feel like um, No Child Left Behind and all the other federal education mandates and and testing things have put a lot of emphasis on school achievement, which is important. But our focus as a school every year is to get better at reading and math growth. I really don't care how many kids, what percent of our students are proficient or advanced, you know, what we call proficiency. They come from elementary already proficient and advanced. They graduate from high school already proficient and advanced. Our focus is beat the state average for reading and math growth. Mm-hmm. Lastly, I think the hardest one, because it's new for a lot of people, and as I sat on the hot seat in the mastermind two weeks ago, I think it's also the hardest to tangibly measure is I want to demonstrate the beliefs, behaviors, and outcomes that create our school culture and improve our school culture every day, every week, every school year. Yeah. So I, what I love about these three goals is that you have clearly articulated what you need to do, but not necessarily how to do that. So the focus remains the same of this is what we're trying to accomplish. This is our vision, but year to year, the strategies that you employ could change. So can you talk a little bit about how those strategies could change to meet the needs of different students or different personnel each year? Sure. The first goal, making sure every student at Pinell Middle School has a trusted adult is a great example of that. When we first measured it, we asked the students, do you have a trusted adult? If so, who is it? 31% of our students said they do. Wow. 
then I asked the staff, what percent as a staff member do you think, what percent of our students do have at least one? Staff said 99%. Oh, wow. That's so, quite the disparity. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it makes sense if you think about it, you know, as a teacher, you know, I don't connect with that kid, but I'm sure that the math teacher does mm-hmm. or, or something like that. So that was kind of our starting point and just making it a focus, like greeting kids in the hall, greeting kids by name, saying good morning, making sure no kid goes through a school day without having an adult talk to them. That made a huge difference. Well, we got better. We got better. We finished last school year with a new record. 97% of our students had a trusted adult that could identify. But what we learned was, okay, what happens when you get to those last few kids that we've tried every one of these strategies and we still can't get them to feel like they could come to an adult at school? That's where we have to get better is it's easy now to make sure, you know, most kids almost all kids have a trusted adult, but what do you do with those kids that have had negative experiences with teachers their whole career? They move from another state, you know, and a a system, school system experience that's just, I don't trust you, I don't trust you, I don't trust you. That those are the strategies that we're trying to learn and use to get better. Yeah. The first goal. I mean, that's, that's awesome. So I want to talk about the other goals too, in a minute, but I want to hear about some of the strategies that you've used. So number one, just identifying and bringing it up to kids is a huge step in the right direction. So obviously keeping track of it helps, but what are some of the other strategies you've used to, to be able to get kids to know that they have a trusted adult? Yeah, the fun, I think the funnest thing we do is we used to do a sticker chart and it was so dumb. I walked around with these <laughs> giant pieces of paper and these little stickers. And I'd ask kids, do you have a trusted adult? If so, put it on the staff member's name. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, you know, it's 21st century, McKelkey. Use a Google form. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we digitized it. And the first round we do in the first quarter, we collect all the kids that have a trusted adult and who is it? Great. Now, what I do in the next staff meeting, we meet once a month, I give the list of every kid who says I don't have one to the staff. Each staff member, everybody, principal, teacher, counselor, secretary, custodian, tech guy, librarian, I don't care. You pick one student and that's who you go out of your way to build trust with. Greet them check up on them, ask them about their day, ask them about their weekend. And then we reassess at the end of the month. Staff get a shout out if the kid they picked says, I now have a trusted adult. Mm -hmm. The fun thing is a lot of times, maybe I pick this sixth grade boy and we give the same survey out a month later. He might say, you know what? I have a go-to, but it's the assistant principal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like, man, I spent all that time trying to get that kid to trust me, but it's not a popularity contest. I don't care how many kids connect with what adult. It's all about whittling away, building relationships and making sure they have somebody. So every month we do that in our staff meeting and it's fun hearing the conversations. Some of our staff are like, I have no idea who that kid is. Oh, he's into Pokemon. Let's go get the tech guy and have him try and build trust with that kid. But that's what we work on monthly with student connections. Well, I like that a lot. And I can see a lot of potential different ways to support and help kids when you're working together as a team, which is a really key aspect of supporting kids effectively. So uh, thinking about that, 
you've done these strategies, you've put some things in place and what are the dividends that you see from that? What are the results you see from making those connections? I think staff have enjoyed it. I think a lot of our staff that didn't feel connected to working with students directly, like support staff, it's been awesome. I saw a kid um, last year earn like a video game day and he sent an email to a tech guy and said, I'm bringing my Nintendo Switch and we're playing some game and I want to challenge you. Uh-huh. And like, because that staff member had been building trust with that kid, all of a sudden I walk in, he's on the smart board playing Nintendo with a seventh grader. And I think our, st- our staff that hasn't been able to do that or given opportunities to do it have really enjoyed like, wow, part of working in this school is building relationships with students, no matter what my job is. I I love that story so much because it really highlights what we as educators get to experience every single day, which is building these positive relationships with kids, which is awesome. And it's by far the best thing that we do way better than just teaching math or science or whatever the case may be. So building these relationships and seeing a different side of kids than just their academic side, but seeing the the playful, the fun, the relaxed side of them is really rewarding. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says Stop Talking and Start Doing with Regard to Teacher Well-Being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. So that was, you know, that was just one, the first goal that you have. What are some other strategies you've used for the second or third goals that you have? Yeah, if we skip to the third one, school culture, I think that's been the most challenging for me as the principal. Um, Culture is a hard thing to talk about, to articulate, to measure. But a good starting point, I thought as a member of this staff for over a decade, the culture of our school would kind of ebb and flow. You hire a few good people and your culture improves. You hire a few negative people it declines. And so the first step for me as the principal was to define the culture that I want in our school. We had never done that. It's not revolutionary. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but we literally sat down and said, what do we want our school to be like? And that could be five, 10, 20 years down the road, but we want to make sure that we have a culture by definition and not a culture by default. Oh, it's good this year because we have good leadership. We have good support staff. Oh, it's bad this year because parents, kids, whatever. So Mm -hmm. the first step was just, we got to define the culture that we want. I'm a believer in the fact that 
it starts with what you believe, your beliefs as an educator and as a human. That's where our behaviors come from, how we actually talk, act, speak, interact with others, whether it's students, colleagues, or parents. And those, those behaviors really are what drive outcomes. How do you feel at the end of the day working in this school? How do you feel the last day of school when the school year's over? How do you feel as a kid when you walk out the door at dismissal? Or as a parent when you pick up your kid at dismissal? And so if you look at that backwards, the outcomes that we want are driven by our behaviors and our behaviors are a product of our beliefs. So that's what we have defined as a staff, our beliefs our behaviors and the outcomes that we're creating. Hmm. I, I like that a lot. And what I really appreciate is the idea of defining your culture before, instead of letting it happen by default. And that's something we all know school culture is important, but it's an easy thing to just let it happen by default. And we have a great culture because this one teacher loves to do things that gets everybody together. So she takes on all the work of planning and organizing and making those things happen, even when, you know, she may not want to, but that's her, that's what she loves doing. So she's going to make it happen. And when that person leaves then what's it going to look like? Are you still going to have get togethers? Are you still going to spend quality time together? And if you define your culture beforehand, then you know somebody's going to have to step into that role and everybody knows that if that's what we want, we all need to contribute to that as well. How have you seen defining your culture beforehand, encouraging other people to contribute that maybe wouldn't have contributed on their own? Well, I think that's where the job as the principal gets fun. Anybody can make a poster and say, here's the culture of our school. <laughs> but once you define that, my job becomes you got to make sure you're reinforcing the staff that are living up to the culture. And you also have to address and call out the behaviors that are not living up to the culture of the school. And I, I think once staff see that is, you know, the, the, the most popular belief in our school that really the last two years have put to the test is we believe in the power of the team and the behavior that we're looking for. I ask for help. I give help. I care, listen, and communicate. There's been a lot of opportunities to help other people in other departments the last two years. But I think when our staff has done that and been willing to step up and help, they, they feel like, oh, the administration, the principal, and my colleagues recognize that. And we have a lot of fun ways that personally, I, I try hard to reinforce that with our staff so they feel like I notice and appreciate it. But even more powerful is we have some ways that our staff recognizes each other for doing that. And that that's really encouraged others to do it. I also, you know, one of the great things about ha having a defined culture in our school, I want people to know that before they apply. I want them to see this is the school that I'm applying to work in. It should be part of the interview. It should be part of your first day in the building. It should be part of your evaluation, no matter what your role is. And I think staff appreciate that because leaders a lot of times we're not clear on what we expect. We say that was good or that wasn't good enough, but mm -hmm. we're just throwing stuff against the wall. Yeah. That piece I think is so important because if you can't articulate or define what it is that you want, how can anybody else do the same? And so that's a great piece of advice. Now, something that you do often is you, I can tell you say the same things to your staff over and over and over again. 
because you'll say them and they'll roll off your tongue like you've said them a hundred times. And the last one is I ask for help. I give help. I care, listen, and communicate. So tell us about your strategy behind these sayings and phrases that you have to motivate and influence your staff and help them know what's important. I guess it's my way, my attempt of trying to keep things simple, right? If I can't remember what the expectation is, how in the world can I expect Mm -hmm. staff to, and to have a common language where we were helping our secretary moved the other day and she sent me a text power of the team thank Mm -hmm. you and you just find that if the leader is consistent with that messaging other people use it and it becomes a big part of your culture literally not just what you do but those exact words and how you thank others how, how you ask for help from from colleagues so just trying to keep it simple and and make sure that when i'm talking about it staff understand and they feel comfortable using the same lingo, the same phrases. Yeah. And it's something that I, from the benefit of knowing you and meeting with you every week for the last year, I've heard you say these things over and over again. And, and I know when you're saying something you've said a hundred times before, not that you are nonchalant and it doesn't matter, but because it brings out this look on your face, like, this is what we believe, period, end of story. There's no discussion around this topic. We ask for help. We give help. We care, listen, and communicate. That's what we do here. So that's just part of who we are. And I, I think that's really important and great to hear you say that a couple different times in this conversation today. So I want to move on to the staff recognition and appreciation because you have talked about that, you know, probably a hundred times. And that's something that's really important to you. Why is that so important? And what does it mean to appreciate and recognize your staff? As a teacher, and if you asked any teacher in America, I bet you've never heard someone and I never would have told you, man, I just feel too appreciated. I wish, I wish my boss would stop recognizing my extra efforts and things I do. And for whatever reason, I think a lot of it might be connected to personality type, uh, you know, the type A traditional Mm -hmm. administrator. We're not good at at praise and recognition. We feel weird or you have that old school thinking of, oh, if I tell you good job, then you'll stop trying hard. If I tell you good job, then you do something dumb. I couldn't fire you. I've heard Mm -hmm. all kinds of crazy reasons why people don't do it. I was lucky when I became the assistant principal, I sat down with a the middle school principal and he gave me a list of duties and he said, Eric, number one thing, dude, you got to help me give staff recognition and appreciation. I'm not good at it. I don't know how to do it. That is something you have to help me do. So I was lucky in that sense because he helped emphasize to me how important that is. And he knew our staff wanted that and he knew it didn't come easy. It didn't come natural. So I kind of got that as an assigned duty. There's little things you can do one of my big beliefs when it comes to staff recognition and appreciation, we all get a lot of emails for staff awards. And honestly, I think the reason why most teachers don't win any of those kind of professional awards is because the principal hits delete on the email. Hmm. We, we all get those. And one of my personal missions, it doesn't matter how good I think you know, our, let's say school counselor is compared to every other school counselor in the state of Wyoming. 
I don't know other counselors, but I know ours is dang good. And I got a, I got a nomination form from the School Counselors Association of Wyoming and filled it out and nominated her. And guess what? She won. She's the Bam. state school counselor of the year. <laughs> and, and I don't know how many other principals fill out the paperwork. It is a lot of work. But when you get those emails as a principal, why would you not want to recognize your staff? Mm-hmm. Fill, fill the dang thing out. And if they're not the best and the committee and the rubric says no, great. But I bet they'll still get an email that says your principal nominated you and they'll appreciate that. Yeah. So in, in Alaska, they had this uh, BP teacher of the year award that, um, that they sent out to all the principals across the state. And it was by BP obviously. And they wanted to, you know, recognize teachers. And it, my goal was to always fill those out also. And I, sometimes my teachers didn't qualify for it. So I'd set reminders in three years when they do qualify, because you need to be a teacher for at least three years or whatever to nominate them. And it's worth it to do that. And I even nominated my former counselor when I wasn't at the school anymore, when she could qualify for it, because I just thought she was so great and I loved working with her. I just wanted her to recognize her even after the fact. And even if they don't win, if they know that you recognize them and wanted to put them out in front of others saying this person's great, that's a huge morale booster and, and something that they should, you know, definitely feel good about. I mean, that's a, that's a really simple, clear way to help people know to recognize their teachers. What are your other suggestions? Um, having a way that when you see a staff member really living up to the culture that you expect or, or just at the end of the day going above and beyond, you got to find a way to make sure they know that you saw that and you appreciate it. My way is dorky, to, to put it mildly. <laughs> we have a, a staff member at the high school that we had some kind of, a, I think it was Teacher Appreciation Week party, but she had these little trophies, like a little thumbs up plastic 10 cent made in China trophy. Mm -hmm. And man, teachers love those. So I got on Amazon when I became an administrator and every year I find a different dorky little trophy. And when I see those things, you know, great examples of staff behavior or buying into our beliefs or creating those outcomes. I just write them a little note, handwritten note um, on a school letterhead kind of note thing. And then I give them a trophy and each year I try and come up with a different theme. So like last year I found these bananas on Amazon and they, they just say top banana award. And <laughs> some staff love them, some staff tolerate them, but I know that when staff get those and read the card, they know that I appreciate them and what they do for our, our school and our students. Yeah. And didn't you do stuffed animals this year? Yes. Um, that was when, when my first principal asked, you know, Eric, help me out with this. That's when we started this. Good timing. We have a new secretary and she broke the golden rule. She gave it one of them back to the principal on Friday. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> so, yeah, I told, I told her, I said, I really appreciate. Uh, she gave me Saul, who's the saber tooth tiger of stand up and own it. One of our three beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, I said, I really appreciate that. But, you know, this the principals give those out the first meeting of the year and you guys are supposed to give those to each other, but she didn't know that. Yeah. Well, she's new. You can let it slide this time. Yeah. Our staff, um, again, some love the stuffed animal thing, some tolerate it, 
but it's it's awesome to make that a part of our monthly staff meeting. Whoever got it last month has to give it out, tie it to the belief in our school culture. So we have a stuffed animal for growth, growth mindset, power the team and stand up and own it. And they have to get up and specifically say, I'm giving it to Eric because he demonstrated this, not just, oh, good job, Eric, you tried hard. You know, that specific praise we want. Um, and then what's awesome, the kids the kids pick up on this and they'll come in and they'll be like, why is there a, pl- why is Perry the platypus on your desk? You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and some staff just beam like, oh, well I got, you know, Perry the platypus power of the team from Mrs. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cool to see staff don't hide those. They, they hang them where colleagues are going to see them and students are going to ask about them. Yeah. And it's just a fun, fun thing to do in our, our monthly meetings. Yeah, I love it. Well, the last question that I have for you, Eric, is what is one thing a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? Join the mastermind. Join <laughs> Jethro's mastermind. Honestly, there's so many things that it's helped me with. All the books we've read, all the things I've learned from colleagues, and sometimes my biggest problem as a principal is a lack of confidence. I feel like the mastermind has really helped me grow and improve in, I know I'm doing the right thing and I'm going to do it confidently. And that's well worth what I pay to join and sit in once a week with you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. If you do want to join the mastermind, go to transformativeprincipal.com. There's more info there. And earlier you mentioned the person of conscience that uh, I was glad to hear you use that phrase because we I read the book, uh, The Conscience Code, and that's the phrase he uses. And so I was glad to hear that phrase come in. That was from episode 349, if you are listening. And um, very good stuff. Eric, thank you so much for joining Transformative Principle today. Thanks, Jethro. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.